Thank you. Well, good morning, and, and God is good all the time. Very true. I didn't give this uh, message a title to Cheryl because I thought that she'd be busy with, I and my wife thought that she would be busy with other things, so, and I, I don't always have a title for it, but this morning I happen to have a title, and that is uh, on the subject of stewardship. I trust that we can all use some information on and some instructions on being good stewards. But before I go into the message, <coughs> uh, I heard a story. And this story relates back to the, uh, to the children. I still love the children. I uh, love my grandchildren, love being around them. And so I'd like to have a children's class this morning. I want the children to listen to this story that I have because for the older ones, this little story will, will go right along with that uh, message. There was back in the history of uh, a, a community or a town or a state that was under communist control. Russia. There was a family in there that became Christians. And one morning, they got up, and the children got up. They had four daughters. And the father said that, uh, told his wife that, I don't know what to do. We don't have anything to eat. And she said, well, should I go to someone and ask if, uh, if we could have some food? And he said, no, I don't think so. I think we should gather the children, the girls around for our family worship. And we should pray to the Lord and ask him for, for food. So they gathered the children around and they were having their uh, family devotions, and uh, then the father said, now children, this morning, we have nothing to eat. You know, jobs were hard to get at that particular time. If you were a Christian, you were persecuted by the communist country, and he said, we have nothing to eat. So, what we're going to do is we're going to ask God for food to eat. But he said, first of all, we're going to sing some songs as our family worship and read some scriptures. And then we will ask God for some food. So they, they gathered around their little dining room area and, and they began to sing and worship God, and then they said, then he said, now children, I want everyone, girls, I want 
every one of you to ask God for something to eat this morning. We have nothing. I have nothing in my billfold. And we're going to ask God for some food. The wife had. The, yeah, the wife had said, well, should I go out and ask someone? Yeah, I said that. Okay. So they gathered around the, the table and, and he told the oldest girl, he said, now you go first and you tell God what you would like to have to eat. And so they prayed and the girl said, God, I would like to have some beef stew and a sweet roll to eat. So the second one thought, <clears throat> and she said, well, that sounds good. And so she said, God, I would also like to have some beef stew and a sweet roll to eat. And after that, <clears throat> the third girl said, she thought about it and she said, well, God, I would like to have the same thing. And when they got to the last girl, she said, God, I would like also to have some beef stew and a sweet roll to eat. And she said, I would like to have a little doll that will close its eyes and open them again to play with. All right. Said the father, we'll, do, we'll, we'll ask God for those things that we have asked for. And so they did. They thank God for answering their prayer. And he said, now <coughs> what we want to do is we want to sing. Again, singing praises to God and thank him for uh, watching over us and answering our prayer. And while they were singing, there was a knock on the door. And so the father went out to open the door and see who was there. And the mailman was there. And the mailman said, there's a partial at the post office, and you're supposed to come and pick it up. So the father went to the post office to pick up the, the uh, partial. And when he got home, he, uh, they opened it up, and there was this, in this partial was a, a box that had these little uh, um, cups of, of beef stew. And everyone opened their uh, box, and they had beef stew uh, to eat. And then there was another box in there. And so the father opened that, and there was money in this little box. And so the father said to uh, the mother, I would like for you to go to the store and buy a sweet roll for each of the girls and you and I. And then there's some, there'll be enough money there and I want you to go to the grocery, I mean to the, the mall or wherever they could get dolls and buy uh, the youngest one a doll that will open its eyes when you lay it, uh, close its eyes when you lay it down and when you pick it up, it'll open them again. Oh, so, oh, she said, but shouldn't we spend our money for something else rather than a doll? And daddy said, no, because that's what we prayed for, and God is answering our prayer. 
So we don't want to spend the money on anything else. So she went to the store and she brought sweet rolls. And then she went to another store where they had dolls and she bought a doll and brought it home and, and she gave the children their sweet rolls. And, uh, and then uh, also the doll given to the youngest daughter. And they were so happy with what they had that they just began to praise the Lord and thank him. And it was a real wonderful time for them. And the Bible, then they opened up their, their uh, Bible and, and read. And this is what it says. You shall ask, you can ask for anything that you want and it shall be given unto you. That's found in the book of Matthew. You can read it for yourself if you want to. I'm not sure which verse and chapter it is right now, but I looked it up and it was in there. So this story is going to go along with the message that I have this morning. The message that God has laid upon my heart comes through various experiences that we have had and some of the experiences that you may have had in growing up. And one of those subjects is stewardship, being a good steward. Now, before I go into that, I'd like to ask the question, is the Old Testament still important? Is the Old Testament important enough to us that we read it and try to understand what God is saying? So is the Old Testament important to you or is it not? Would you rather read the New Testament because you can understand it better? <coughs> I think the Old Testament is very important. Now, I know some people don't, don't enjoy the Old Testament like other people do, and that's not okay, but you do what you want to do, you know. But we need to read the owner's manual occasionally. There was a, there's a story that we can connect with, with this. Came Christmas time, and the uh, father had gotten something for their children, and he had to put it together. And so he started to uh, put this thing that he had bought together. And he just figured, well, he, he knows a lot about putting things together, you know. And so he'll just start putting it together. And this was on Christmas Eve already. He start putting this thing together. I don't know, was it a bicycle or, or whatever it was. And he, he worked and worked. And the more he worked, the more frustrated he became. And it was getting late. And the later it got, 
you know how that works. You know, you just, you just get all tight and uptight and don't know what to do. So after all his frustrations and everything, he finally decided to read the instruction book. Minutes later, he had everything together. Isn't that sometimes the way that we are in our life? Let's say the Bible is the instruction book. The Old Testament is an instruction book. I've been blessed here the other Sunday when at Jake's ordination, and I'm, I'm blessed by, by all of our ministers. I, I love to hear them preach and am challenged. But James talked about uh, at, at Jake's ordination there, he talked about these Jewish boys, what they had to go through in order to accomplish what they needed to accomplish. And I think that's, that's the way that God wants us to, to work. We need to read the instruction manual. We need to uh, see what God wanted in the Old Testament. So I'm going to uh, say some things about being a good steward. And I am giving this also as a testimony that we have learned, my wife and I, and, and Chris as well, some things that we've learned the hard way. And the hard way, is, it might be the best thing that happened to us, but it's not always an easy thing. So through life, the experiences that we went through have shown us some, some things, and they were hard things because we did not see things the way that the Old Testament tells us. And the, the way that James was telling us about the Hebrew children and uh, what they had to go through reminded me afresh of some of those things. We're supposed to be good stewards of our time. We're supposed to tithe. And when we think of tithing, <coughs> there are many, many people, I think, and I was one of them, that thought, if I don't have enough to tithe, why, I'll just, well, you know, maybe if I would go and help someone, I would figure that in as my tithe money. In the Old Testament, it was required of people to give of the first fruit. They were required to bring a tithe. Now, now some people will say, well, why, if it's so important to tithe, why didn't, didn't uh, Jesus teach that when he came to the New Testament. And here's the reason. All 
the Old Testament people that were still living knew about tithing. So why would he have to tell them? And some people say, if it's not mentioned in the New Testament, then I don't need to do it. If something isn't mentioned, forget about it. Just go on with your life. That may work sometimes, but for the most of the time, it does not work. How often does God have to say something before he means what he says. We seem to think maybe 10, 15 times, and if it's not 10 or 15 times, forget about it. Or you can put in that number, whichever you want. In Luke chapter 16, I believe it is, it gives us an account of a man that was a steward And a steward had full control over what his master had. His master did not know what what all he had. The steward was supposed to be faithful in, in handling his master's profits, whatever he had. So this master found out that the steward that he had was cheating or he was doing something that was not right. And so he called him and said, what is this that I hear of you? You may no longer be steward. In other words, you'll be laid off or fired or whatever. And the steward thought within himself, what am I going to do? I'm not a steward anymore. I'm out of money. I won't make any money anymore. What am I going to do? To go out and dig, I'm ashamed. To go and ask people for money, I'm ashamed. What am I going to do? The master doesn't want me anymore. And so he began to think. And so he called all the people that owed his master money and said, go write a smaller amount than you owe. And, he, and they did. And he brought it back to his master, and the master told him that you've, gone a, do, you've done a very good thing. A very, very good thing. Another story is where we have, <coughs> have uh, in the Old Testament, Joseph. All he went through, and he was master, I mean, he was a good steward of Pharaoh's household. Did a good job, tremendous job. And it saved his, his uh, family. So it always pays to be a good steward, but sometimes it's very hard. When we come to the idea of tithing, Did you know that Paul says in 2 Corinthians, I believe it's chapter 9, that God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. And sometimes we we complain 
more than we give. So is it required that you pay your tithe? Let me show you why it's required. It was that way in the Old Testament. If they didn't bring it, it, they were bad people, not walking with God. And so, in the New Testament, he talks about, in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, he talks about bringing things. And by, by you giving money, he is saying that... Uh, other people will be blessed. Milo Kaufman wrote a book on stewardship. And he was, he was on the uh, uh, board of mission prog- projects. And whenever the mission board felt that a new area should be started where uh, people will go in, and, and uh, do mission work there. And so he, uh, he, he said that that's, uh, a lot of times uh, money came in, but he said many times the sign will come up, insufficient funds. So more people Go to hell, he said, because of insufficient funds. So he said, lack of funds, more than anything else, he said, it should read. Might the real answer have been insufficient love? Compassion and commitment. And he said, there's a lot of people going to hell because of insufficient funds. So, should our tithing be anything that we want to give? Or should it be 10%. Stories have been told that your 90% will go farther if you give 10% to the Lord. Because it'll make you a better steward for one thing. You'll be more accountable and people have witnessed that the 90% goes farther than the 100%. Now, we make all kinds of excuses And that may be the reason that Kermit has to ask for more money for the school. Different people have to ask for more money. Our church here, if we would give 10%, there would be lots of money. 10%. And we say, well, you know, this week things are just going tough, you know. And and I, I can't, I really can't afford 10% to give that to I mean, if that, that's $10 out of every $100. And I don't think that God's going to care if I just skip it because I have other obligations that need to be met. 
And you know what happens when you do that? They don't get met. But Paul said that God would meet our need if we give to the Lord. And what, I think what he was talking about was your 10%. Your needs will be met. I will supply your needs. God said that. And then he says, and here is where the shocking news comes in now. And I want to tell you that God still loves you, even if you don't feel like I love you when I say this. But in the Old Testament, in the book of Malachi, it says, bring all your offerings into the storehouse that there may be meat or things there to meet the need. The Old Testament, the people had to give their tithe or their 10% and give it to the Levites. The Levites were the ones that were in charge of spiritual things. And while I'm on this subject, let me say that maybe it would be a good idea to support our ministry here. I can say that because I'm not, I am one of them, but not really, you know. But, but uh, yeah, if we would support our ministry, you're supposed to give money to the people that feed you, according to the Old Testament uh, teaching. Now, I want you to get this. If you get nothing else out of this sermon this morning, I want you to get this. Malachi says, the pe people have said, well, where have we done wrong? What have we done that's not right? And he said, you have stolen from God if you do not give your 10%. And if someone would come to you and steal something from you, would you be willing to, to walk up to that person and say that I'm going to give you something because you stole from me? Or you might go up if you're a, a dynamic Christian, you might go up and say, hey, I don't like for you to come and steal from my gas tank or anything from me, but if you have a need, come and I will give it to you. If you can't afford it, you can't do anything, just come on over and I'll give it to you. That's, that solves the problem better than anything else does. But God said, every person that doesn't do that, if you don't pay the tithe, you are stealing from God. So is there any re is there, can you think of a better reason for God not to bless you? If you steal from me, your life will go downhill. If you pay your tithe, your 10 cent, you're proving to people that you are a spiritual person. You want to walk with God. You do the things that he tells you to do. If he tells you to give 10%, give 10%. If not, you're stealing from God. And it's no wonder you don't get blessed if you steal. Steal from God. That's unreal, isn't it? Unreal that we would steal something from God. But that's what it is. No tithe, you're stealing. You like that, don't you? 
That makes us really feel good. But it'll make us feel better if we, tar- if we start tithing. 10%. Give 10%. I don't get any of that. The church does. And the church gives it to the school, to the mission board, to all other people that are on the mission field that we support. But Kermit and, and Laverne, they could put up signs too. Insufficient funds. So people may be going to hell because we are stealing from God. And we're not, when we steal like that, our Christian life begins to diminish. It's not full. The love that we have towards God has becomes cold. And when our love for God is cold and indifferent, and we feel like all the things that we've done in our past, we're bad people. Let me tell you this morning that God loves you regardless of what you have done. And you show your love to God by giving your 10%. Now, I, I, I know that this is pretty strong, but we have learned in our life what it is not to tithe and saying, well, you know, we just can't this week. We just can't. But Paul says, God giveth more. God giveth more when we do that, when we give. We're giving to God. I'm, I'm not giving it to, to James or Keith or, or Laverne or Jake. And, and I'm not saying that you can't give them something. Walk up and give something to them. We get stuff all the time from Roger and his wife, garden stuff, and they're doing all kinds of good. And maybe it is the first fruits of their garden. I, I don't know. But they're giving stuff all the time, and other people are too. They give us all kinds of things, you know. And we appreciate that. Thank you for that. God bless you for that. And we say, well, what can we pay for? No, no, no. They, nobody wants to be paid for something that you give. So God expects us to give our 10%. And again, I'd like to say, we are stealing from God if we don't. How do you think that makes God feel when we steal from him? with the good things that he's given to us. <coughs> Time is moving on, and I have another one story that I want to give, found in the Old Testament by a person named Jacob. If you follow Jacob's life, you knew that he was pretty shrewd. He walked up to his father when his father told Esau to uh, bring some deer meat in. And then he would bless him. And of course, Jacob found out about this. And so he put uh, animal skin on his arms and made him kind of sound like Jacob. And Jacob, I mean, uh, like Esau. 
and his father was going to bless him, so Jacob decided that he was going to go in and, and he was going to get the blessing. So he walked in and he said, here am I. And his father said, who are you? He said, I am Esau, thy son. That was a big, fat lie. But his father didn't, he he thought there was something strange about this voice that he heard. And so he said, come up closer. And so he went up and he felt his arm and said, yeah, that feels like animal skin. And and Esau was a very hairy man, kind of looked like an animal, I guess. I don't know. But but Jacob, I mean, the father couldn't tell the difference. He was nearly blind, so he couldn't see. And so he blessed Jacob. And he got the blessing that he was going to give to Esau. And Esau was kind of mad at that. Jacob, as you will remember, did a lot of shrewd things in his life. Just I mean, things that, like you and I, we've probably done things in our life that we think I'm no good, God doesn't love me anymore, Uh, you know, I'm just a bad person. But let me tell you this morning that God loves you regardless of where you are, what you've done, God still loves you. That doesn't mean that you may be a child of his, but God still loves. The Bible says God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The whole world, that's for everyone. So Jacob was kind of mad about this deal and he was going to get Jacob back for all the shrewd things he's done. And so Jacob took off. And pretty soon he found him out in the desert. And there was a place place there where where he prayed. And, you know, like a person does when he feels all forsaken, Jacob prayed and an angel came down and wrestled with him. And they wrestled so hard that one of his joints came out of place, Jacob's. And now he went around limping, you know, because of the angel that talked to him. And and (coughs) the angel asked Jacob, he said, no, Jacob said, I will not let you go until you bless me. And then the angel said to Jacob, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. And then the angel said, from now on, your name is no no longer Jacob, but it's going to be Israel. And Israel means that they have conquered. And Jacob was going to help Israel in conquering. And so Jacob went and Jacob did, he turned his life around. And he did a lot of good for the children of Israel. But he still had this idea what kind of a man that he was. 
But when God comes into a person's life, you get a brand new name. You get a name of being redeemed. You get a name of holiness. You get a name of sanctified. You get a new, God gives you a new name. You are no longer the person that you used to be. And then later on in Jacob's life, when he again, no, pardon me, not Jacob's life, but in, in uh, Moses' life. Moses met that person, and he saw the burning bush. And then God called Moses to lead his children out of the wilderness, to lead them on. And at one time, God talked to Moses, and he said, the children of Israel, what am I supposed to tell them if they ask me who, who I am or what I'm here for or, or who told you to do this? Who you are, God, Moses said. And tell them, God said, tell them that I am the God of Abraham, Jacob, and Esau. Now look at what, what happened to Jacob here. God gave him his name back. His real name was Jacob. But God went through all of this to sanctify Jacob. Jacob became a new man, and God recognized him by the name that he had. He was a bad guy. All the, all the things that Jacob did, they're, they're unreal, all the things that he did. But nevertheless, they're in the book. They're in this instruction manual. And if, if you think that God doesn't love you, this morning, I want you to know that God loves you regardless of where you are at in your life. And he would desire for every one of us to be zealous for God, to be real Christians. Some people have, think that they don't like the book of James very much. They don't read the book of James very much because it don't have all these good things to say about the Christian that Paul does and, and some of the other writers. They James doesn't say that. But you know what James does say? He wants to see a faith that works. A faith that works. If you want to test your own life, read the book of James. It's very informative, very instructive, and it, it, it'll do you so much good reading through the book of James. A faith that works. Isn't that amazing? That we can have faith that works. Now, I don't, I don't mean work, good works will get you anywhere. <coughs> you only have good works because of your faith in God. But your good works are not going to get you there. It comes by faith, and that's... Uh, James uses a lot of things that Jesus used on the Sermon on the Mount. And he makes it very practical. Probably more practical than any other book in the New Testament or the Old. James has a wonderful book. Read it. Okay. I think that brings me to the end of uh, the message for this morning. As, as, as and if we neglect the Lord to serve him, and live for him, we're doing ourselves a lot of harm.
You can only grow as you have a, a ready will to serve the Lord, to serve the Lord. And may God bless you with that desire. If God has spoken to you this morning, tell him that you want, you want to do all that you can to bless him and to serve him and be a faithful steward of your time, your money, responsibilities. God calls us to be faithful stewards. Shall we pray? God and Father, this morning we thank you for this uh, blessing that, that you've given to us. The blessing that we can see in the New Testament, in the Old Testament. Father, we love thy word. Thy word, O oh God, is, is truth. We can read it and be inspired and taught as to what we should do, what we should do with our time, and the, the blessings that we can have in being together with the church that Jesus Christ gave us here on this earth, the body of believers. We thank you for this body this morning, and we know there's many other bodies that are connected to the head, Jesus Christ. And I just want to pray for everyone in here this morning that our lives may be complete and whole in Jesus Christ. Show us, Father, that you do love us, that you forgive us for past transgressions, and that we have a, a full assurance of, of thy salvation and grace that you give to us. And the happy ending of this life. We can go to be with you forever and ever, and we thank you for that. Thank you for this group of people. Bless us with this uh, time of worship service this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.